Welcome back to the fellowship. Adam Hawk joined by Ryan Engel, and I've got six words for you. Reunited, and it feels so good. <laughs> it's been a while, and uh, in the four years that we've worked together, this was the longest stretch of time apart. It's July 25th today, and I haven't seen you since July 3rd. Pards, how the hell are you? And more importantly, did you miss me? Who's counting, huh? I was. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, I, I guess I did miss you. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I yeah, missed you too. Earlier this month, I went to Seattle and then Palm Springs. And right as I got back into Fullerton, you were on a plane to Hawaii for a 10-day trip. So it's Hawaii. been Hawaii. It's been almost a month since we've seen each other. Here are a few of the things that have happened in the world since I last saw you in person. Oh, God. The 4th of July, we dropped new t-shirts. I turned 36 years old. The Major League All-Star Game. Wimbledon. The World Series of Poker main event. You finished the brand new Nation Showroom. I became re-addicted to online poker. We got <laughs> invaded by pests at Nation HQ. And Brian Harmon won the British Open. It's a lot of stuff that's happened since the last time I saw you. And I bet you have a lot of stuff to talk about. I have a lot of things to say. Yeah. A, lot yeah, of a lot of people are people talking, are talking yeah. especially me. Yeah. Now, believe it or not, we're going to talk about everything that I just listed and more. So strap in because we're going to podcast our balls off. None of this 20 to 30 minute, nice, tight, quick hitting shit. We're here for the long haul because there's so much to catch up on and talk about. The British Open is the most timely and relevant. But before we get into it, I know that you were absolutely glued to two other prestigious golf tournaments this month. Two tournaments that really bring out the best people, the best golf, the best fashion. Two tournaments that do the thing we should all do no matter what without thinking about it. And that, my friend, is grow the game. I'm, of course, talking about the celebrity tournament in Lake Tahoe, whatever it's called, and the We The Best two-man scramble that Michael Block and DJ Khaled teamed up and won at wherever the hell they played it. Engel, you're a massive fan of both of these events, and I know that you couldn't wait to talk about them. So have at it. I yield the floor to you. Oh, my gosh, dude. Uh, it, it, you're speechless. The, the, I am. I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. It, I guess that the general consumer of content really just doesn't care that much anymore. I, I feel like the standards are so low. Isn't it funny how these angles or avenues for Grow the Game, which I would group both of these into, you know, like CBS or NBC, whoever had the rights to the Tahoe tournament, they're going ape shit. You can see like their eyes light up and their pockets just bulge with cash from sponsor money when they see these ex-athletes and current athletes with their backwards hats running around in circles going hoo, 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 like Arsenio Hall slapping fives with the fans. They're just like, oh my God, this is so, so great for golf, you know? And like, it's like a shark frenzy, you know? They're so excited for that. That's a grow the game avenue. You could group that tournament in that. And then the DJ Khaled thing, obviously all these entertainers and hip hop celebrities and golf influencers showing up to this thing. And it's just like, everyone's just making their best poses in front of the camera crew. And you could argue that that's a grow the game kind of thing too. Isn't it funny how every little grow the game thing, whether it's what we spoke on in the past, these champion hooded sweatshirts for a hundred dollars or this super elitist DJ Khaled thing that was like apparently a 501c charitable deal, but they spent more money than God on that tournament. And then this Lake Tahoe thing. Isn't it funny how all these grow the game things are more elitist and more gatekeepy for the common denominator, the amateur golfer, than all of what they would consider the evil traditionalist empire of what golf was in the past. So like the whole argument to this thing is like, oh, we need to grow the game and we need to break down these barriers. And it's like, you just put up the biggest fucking barrier on earth. Nobody can afford to go party with Diddy with vinyl wrapped custom golf carts on the thing and a full photo crew. And by the way, I don't know who else needs to hear this, but I get it. You want to be a part of this explosion of traction and content and jump on the coattails of this DJ Khaled thing. But anyone with a fucking brain watching this tournament go on this last weekend or wherever the fuck it was, go look it up. They donated 30 grand 
that dude spent more than 30 grand on his camera crew. I've been running a tournament for a long time. I know what shit costs and it does not take a genius to look at the money they spent on this. You knew they flew and paid for all those guys to come in. This was a content grab. The charitable aspect is smoke and mirrors. It's unattainable for the amateur. I mean, that, the wannabe PGA Tour event lookalike contest for these ex-pro to play in Tahoe, I know I sound like a hater again, but if you're not a full-on sheep, you know that both those things are complete and total bullshit. Well said. To me, the celebrity golf tournament in Tahoe has the charm and appeal of a school bus fire. It's somehow more unwatchable than live golf or the match that Capital One somehow hasn't figured out how to stop sponsoring. (laughs) If you want to see Tony Romo take golf really, really, really seriously, (laughs) because that's super fun and interesting, or Travis Kelsey have some sort of caveman-like seizure every time he makes contact with the ball, then by all means, sink into your couch. Steph Curry might even shoot a basketball from the tee box into a hoop that's on the back of a docked boat. I mean, how cool, right? (laughs) Bottom line, the golf sucks, the course is boring, and the celebrities are dorks. And as for the We The Best tournament, it was unfortunately unavoidable because every golf Instagram page trying to ride DJ Khaled's jock to some quick clout decided to post about it. And look, I don't care about the tournament or DJ Khaled, But you know who you are. You know the game that you're playing. You know you have an unquenchable thirst. And none of it has to do with how much you like the guy or his music, which isn't even his music. It all has to do with wanting that Khaled bump, which you were talking about. You want this guy to repost you. You want him to make you relevant. It's why Golf Digest just put him on the cover of their magazine. You remember when the cover of Golf Digest actually used to mean something. When they actually took and used real golf photos outside instead of colored backdrop studio shots of people swinging and staring at the camera. But this guy, DJ Khaled, he's done to golf what he did to music. Despite having no talent whatsoever, he's completely taken over. And just like he did in music, he's got a bunch of fanboys running around doing his marketing for him. And they're parroting his catchphrase like it's some sort of mating call. You know the one. Yeah. Let's go golfing. (laughs) Never mind that golfing isn't a word because golfing isn't a verb. You don't go golfing. You go play golf. Just like you don't go baseballing or footballing. You don't go golfing. Unless you're DJ Khaled or one of his millions of marks. I'll tell you what. You got to hand it to the guy. He fucking knows how to pull it off. I'm going to say it. He's a genius. He's the greatest Wizard of Oz of all time. He hacked the world. The dumber he acts, the richer he gets. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And what a pairing, Michael Block and DJ Khaled. Apparently, they shot a 48. Well, good for them. And you can look at all the all the posts. It's all out there. There's a bunch of videos of long putts not going in. So even if those are tapping birdies, you're trying to tell me those guys shot a 48 and he gets the photo in the end getting a champagne finish. By the way, that photo and video of the champagne finish, there's like 20 people in that room. Right. All of his celebrities that he flew in there and paid for out of pocket, they bailed by 2.30. They're yeah. like, fuck. They got on the I got my photo I'm, and my, my gift bag. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah, I got, I got champagne on my own jet. But that's pretty awesome for Michael Block and DJ Khaled to play together because they each had their number one fans with them for the entire tournament themselves. <laughs> God, that should have been the We the Narcissist Open, dude. <laughs> Are there two people on the planet who are bigger fans of themselves than Michael Block and TJ Khaled. I did. I haven't found him yet. Now, Michael Block had a great PGA championship. Everyone knows the story. His 15 minutes of fame won't end and good for him. But when's the last time you think that that club pro worked a day as a club? pro? <laughs> <laughs> to me, club pros are to golf what priests are to church. Yeah, it's about the lessons, the academy, what you're giving back to the membership and stuff. It's not like an Instagram page full of you holding trophies up. Exactly. You devoted your life's calling to helping others. And I thought club pros gave lessons and folded shirts in the pro shop. I really want to know the last time Michael Block was at the driving range grinding over someone's swing, making, (laughs) you know, a hundred bucks an hour because I haven't seen it in three months now. Have you? (laughs) 
Let's get to the British Open. Enough of Michael Block and DJ Khaled. Uh, one of my favorite majors. There's just something about waking up early, link style courses, the weather, the fact that it seems like that European golf crowd is a little bit more educated on golf, a little bit more respectful to what's going on, a little bit more traditional. And it's just so unique. There's no other golf tournament like it. Your feelings on not this particular British Open, but the British Open in general. I think the British Open always has had that cool aesthetic of what you just spoke on, you know, the the link style, the weather, the vibe of it. They kind of lost their way for some years there, but since the complete rebranding, I would say what, 10, 15 years ago, you know, when they really started like dipping into the heritage, which like I've said before, why don't these other tournaments just use the the method and the blueprint that Augusta does? And I would say that the RNA kind of has done that with the Open Championship. The brand is strong. They really stick with the colorways, the look of the uh, scoreboard, things of that nature. I love the fact that they rotate these just great traditional tracks over there, which from a golf purist standpoint, you got to be a big fan of that. The nature of all those things brings a kind of unknown, uncontrollable aspect where Augusta can kind of control they're almost like producers. They're producing this electric finish and the roars. And like you've said it before that they have the luxury of having the same venue. Whereas the open will, you'll have some good years. You'll have some, you'll have some not bad years, but you'll have some better years than, than others. I think this year was great. I think what we saw is a continuation of what we just spoke about that the consumer's appetite for content is so bad now. And everyone's so washed on what's good and what's bad. The fact that it wasn't John Rahm or someone electric winning by six strokes makes them, oh, this tournament was bullshit. Brian Harmon played his fucking balls off. He was striping it. Even on Saturday, there was a moment where it was like he had some opportunities for birdie and he, he burned the edge or something like that. And like it looked like maybe there was a moment that the field was going to catch back up. And there's like a long par three and he just goes up there. It's a high pressure situation and he just fucking stuffs a six iron and Fleetwood's a good ball striker and he left it over to the right in the bunker, some shit like that. And I remember that moment when I was watching, cause I watched it sporadically cause I was on vacation. But at that moment I looked and I was like, this dude is locked right now. He's locked in. Same thing, content, appetite. Everyone's just on the waggle thing and all this stuff. And it's just like, do something that surprises me. All of this just sheepish golf world content and people riding coattails and regurgitating the same stuff. It's like, when am I going to be surprised by any of this? Right when you won, I was just like, you watch. This is all going to be diverted into hating on this guy and saying the tournament was boring. That's why I've said golf's dead. The soul, the culture, it's dead. You just said so much stuff that I want to react to because it was so good and I agree with everything. And first off, credit to you. You're on vacation with a young child and your wife in Hawaii, which has to be one of the hardest time zones to watch the open. 3 to 4 a.m., man. And you've got takes for days. You, yeah, you, you 3 saw to 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You make a great point about Brian Harmon. He put on an absolute clinic. Didn't he like crush the fucking putting record like by a landslide or something I, like that? I don't think he missed a single putt all week within six feet, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. His putter was stupid. And now what's interesting is because it wasn't Ricky Fowler or Wyndham Clark rolling an odyssey, you don't have the yeah. the mass running to go. Let's grab. go get the jailbird or break or whatever the fuck it's called. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So where's Brian Harmon's love? That putter was better than anything Wyndham or Ricky have done oh, yeah. with their putters. But he puts on this absolute clinic and you're one hundred percent right. If it was John Rahm or Rory or Justin Thomas who shot a smooth Dude, it'd be 82. a Bobby Jones parade down Central Ave in New York with confetti in the air. Right. But because you know? it's Brian Harmon and he's a relative unknown to all these new golf fans who just got here and have no idea what they're watching. There's no respect for what he did. And what he did beyond putting on a clinic was he held a five-shot lead on two consecutive days. He had to go to sleep on Friday night and Saturday night. And with a tee five off shot late. Lead. And tee off late. And there are only two outcomes when you have a five-shot lead in a major. 
only two. One, you are either on the precipice of the biggest choke job ever that you will never live down, or two, you are about to coronate your entire career and become a first-time major champion. There is no middle ground. Especially for a player of his caliber or pedigree, historically, where he is in the rankings. I would argue that that's more pressure than coming from behind or being tied. I would totally agree. And speaking of coming from behind, Brian Harmon is looking back at Rory, Jason Day, Tom Kim, John Rahm, Tommy Fleetwood, Max Homa, Cam Young, Jordan Spieth. Those are the guys chasing him on Saturday, and a lot of them flamed out. But those are the guys, when he looks up at the leaderboard, he's like, these are the ones that are coming for me. Rahm shoots a 63 on Saturday. Holy shit, I got to hold it together. Not only did he hold it together, he never let anyone get within three shots. Yeah. If you think that that golf tournament was boring, that's on you. Because what we saw was excellent golf by an excellent player who did something to that course that nobody else in the field could do. The people who thought that that tournament was boring were the same people that were reposting, commenting, and eating up DJ Khaled's tournament. That's right. Now, the main comments about Brian Harmon were, he's short, he's bald, My wife actually said he looked like one of Snow White's seven dwarfs, which I thought was mean because of his big ears. And look, Brian Harmon's no trip to Hollywood, but he can't help it that he's five foot seven. He can't help it that he's not a bad looking guy. No, no. You know, he's a good looking dude. And not only that, we have inside information. He's a great person. Great person. A great person. A good old boy, a great friend, and a great guy. Right. Because he held the lead for so long. It gave the PGA Tour and the RNA a lot of opportunity to hype him up over the weekend, and it gave a lot of people the opportunity to click on his Instagram handle, go see the pictures that he's posted, which are all of him out in the woods, bow hunting, holding up trophy bucks and elks and turkeys, and they got all over him for his lifestyle, that this guy is an animal abuser, an animal killer. So they just crushed him for that. So either he's too short, he's too ugly, or he's an animal hater. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? Hey, shout out Brian Harmon. Yeah. Huge congrats. Stick to your guns. No pun intended. We back you, bud. You are the champion golfer of the year. You deserved it. Enjoy it. Don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to anyone. Yes, he averages 13 club waggles before every shot. Yes, his hat says Megacorp, which is such a soulless asshole name for a sponsor that it almost feels like satire. Yes, his putter is longer than his inseam, but he's a good dude. He's a good old boy. He's part of the Sea Island Mafia, and I'm super into him winning. I think I, I think it's awesome. I know Pat and Kazire and Joe Edder were stoked for him. We're stoked for him, too. On the subject of Megacorp, which is the funniest hat in the world, Megacorp, what do you think? Because I looked it up. What do you think? That's like something you would see on The Simpsons. Right. Exactly. It it, it reads like satire. What do you think Megacorp does? (laughs) Um, Do they supply janitorial supplies for corporations? (laughs) You're not that far off. (laughs) Am I really? To me, it sounds like such a brazen shameless name it's like when the lego movie named the bad guy president business (laughs) it's like you said it's something a simpsons writer would come up with megacorp they make amazon seem like a mom and pop corner bakery just struggling to get by with that name megacorp yeah they're actually they're a trucking logistics company so they keep freight trucks that are hauling frozen food on time and on schedule God bless them. God bless them. And you go to their website and you click on about, and it's just like 16 people that are all in the same family. We should get a collab going, do a Megacorp hat. I would love that. Let's do Nation Corp. It's just an amazing name, Megacorp. When you look at all these like sponsors and how completely devoid of taste and soul they've become, to see a guy wearing a hat that says Megacorp is just so funny. But then you go and look it up. And it's just a trucking logistics family company, which is perfect. Before we get off of the British Open or the Open, whatever you want to call it, we have to talk about Rory McIlroy. This is his seventh top 10 in his last eight majors. He's now on a nine-year major drought. He has to wait all the way until April to get another chance at the Masters where he hasn't done it. And I'm going to say it. The dude just is not 
a gamer. And I know that that sounds strange talking about Rory McIlroy that way, but I can't remember the last time he did anything super special on the weekend of a major. And he's been right there so many times. Last year at the British Open at St. Andrews, he was in the final pairing with Cam Smith. And Cam was doing special things left, right, and center. Rory had 36 putts. He literally two-putted everything. Couldn't make one single putt. And that happened to be the difference. We went out to the U.S. Open at LACC. Same story. Couldn't make a single putt. This is a guy who is getting out-specialed by Cam Smith and Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon on Sundays at Majors. This is a nine-year drought. He is just a season and a half short of Tiger's 11-year drought from the 2008 U.S. Open to the 2019 Masters. How do you feel about Rory McIlroy right now after watching yet another time where he comes so close but can't do anything special to get over that hump? As my brother Sean Engel would say, putting's putting. When you're putting, it's putting. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, Adam. Dude ain't button. It's as simple as that. And I think that this is a classic case of cash. This is mo money, mo problems. Mm. This dude's got the jets, the cash. He had the early success. It earned him the big contracts. He's played brilliant golf to stay relevant and continue to earn. You know, he's obviously won some good tournaments. I'm sure he's probably made more in endorsements than he has on the golf course, but I don't know if that fire is still in him like it was because how could it be? When you're like licking your wounds on your PJ back home, I mean, are you really as motivated as you were if you're like Victor Hovland in a rental car just listening to Slayer? I feel like it's maybe a little easier for him to to wash it off. And if you're washing it off, Maybe you're not digging as deep. You know, Tiger, he was getting showered and and paid, but he was chasing history. That boat left the dock for Rory. People thought that was going to happen when he won that U.S. Open by like nine shots or whatever the hell it was, you know, when he had those huge bell bottoms and the big belt buckle and the pubic hair coming out the sides of his hat, that really <laughs> good Oakley look that he was rocking back then. By the way, that mid... 2000s golf style, worst, worst style in golf history. Worse than the 70s. Worse than right now? Yeah. At least right now, they're, the, the pants are kind of somewhat tailored. Most of the guys are, the clothes fit them. It's still as awful in the same, in the same vein, but like the big belt buckles and the cut open pants so they fit over the shoe. And oh, the, yeah. You know, like all that shit that they were wearing, it was just fucking awful, dude. Right. Like you look at those pictures and you're like, oh, God. It's like a teenage girl looking at their 13th birthday photo, and you're just like, there's my prepubescent awkward stage. Yeah. You know? That's what all that fashion was. But anyways, back to the topic. I I just don't think he has the fire under him in the same vein. doesn't matter how many shots you have. You know, he's got all the shots. He can stand up and hit the shot. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get kick-ins on Sunday. You're going to get 15 to 30 feet. And you got to roll some of those in. You got to make at least one. Yeah. And he doesn't make any of them. So I'll tell you what, the jailbreak or bird, whatever the fuck it's called, Odyssey putter, how everyone bought it because those dudes made putts with it. For those of you who own spiders, (laughs) trade them in because if Rory can't make it with a spider, neither can you. (laughs) Right. Now I mentioned Rory's not going to get another shot at a major until April. We are now in that part of the golf calendar where we have to wait a long time. Now, do you like this new major schedule? Because no. and, and I don't. No. It's too much. They're too close. Too quickly. They're too close. Didn't it feel like we were just at the Los Angeles Country Club? Mm-hmm. We were just there. We're still unpacking our memorabilia. We have a pin flag that we haven't pulled out yet. Mm-hmm. I've got LACC wine glasses right there that are still in the box. The British Open is over. The majors are done. We don't get another one till April. Ever since the PGA Championship, jumped up from the caboose to the on-deck hitter and started going behind the Masters. This schedule of majors has gotten so condensed. Mm -hmm. There's no build-up to them. There's no anticipation. They feel rushed. They do. So now what do we have to look forward to? Luckily, this is a Ryder Cup year. Love the Ryder Cup. That'll be in Rome. That'll be a lot of fun. I'll tell you what doesn't do it for me, and I know it does it for the pros because there's a giant purse of money. The FedEx Cup playoffs. Oh, God. Does it do anything for you? No. 
Who won it last year? Oh my gosh, what a question! Actually, I it, it just jogged my memory, and that's because I'm a little bit more of a PGA Tour dork than I care to admit. But I'm pretty sure that Rory came and snatched it from Scotty after Scotty blew like his ten under lead to start, and Rory came from behind. Now, I, and I don't know who won the year before that or the year before that. If you asked me that, because I don't follow the tour as close as you do, if you would have asked me that, I would have been stumped. Right. Couldn't have figured it out. Before we get off of the Open, two more very quick things. Shout out to Jason Day for going without a hat in the pouring rain instead of going with the backwards hat. Such a better look. Mm -hmm. First cool thing Jason Day has ever done. But the no hat look in the rain, way better look than the backwards hat. I'll say this. The Open Championship, that's just a no hat golf tournament. Take them off. Right. Faldo that bitch. Yes. That's what I would do. I'd be like, hat? What, do you need to wear sunscreen over here? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Come on, I'm getting fish and chips and a Guinness when we're done. Let's go. You know, like, get off me. Pass me the salt and the malt vinegar, Adam. There we go. Shout out to Jason Day for going without the hat. It was a good look. My final take after the Open, I am calling on Tom Fleetwood to retire. I'm calling on him to be done. The hair or? To retire from golf. <laughs> I've seen enough. And frankly, he's seen enough. This is the same movie every single time yeah. at every tournament, major or not. If this guy is playing in a PGA Tour event or a major, what do you know? There he is Thursday, Friday, starts to slip Saturday, and then completely becomes a shell of himself on Sunday. Tommy Fleetwood. You heard it here first from me. If I'm your advisor, hang it up, dude. I'm sick of your mopey ass walking down 18 after you just blew it again. I'm yeah. done. I'm done with you, Tom. Get out of here. I think it's the hair. Yeah? He needs to lose the hair? Yeah. Too much drag. Could be. That's enough of Tom Fleetwood. So at the top, I mentioned all of the things that have happened since we last saw each other. Uh, we dropped new t-shirts and if you are listening right now, you can go to the site and take 30% off either one or both of those new t-shirts. Just a nice thank you for being a podcast listener. And this code will only go out over the podcast. <laughs> so use code podcast at checkout. That discount is now live and that applies to those two new shirts. So use code. You know, code. he's a marketing guy. Thank he's you. a marketing genius. A lot of people are talking. You know, he, he he's pulling he's triggers without asking me, and I love to see it. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, use code podcast at checkout on one or both of those new t-shirts, and we will get that out to you. This code is only good till the end of this month, July 2023, because theoretically, you could be listening to this podcast a year from now. So the code is good until the end of July 2023. Wow, he's even got disclaimers in there. And and the code again is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Before we get to the next subject, and I do love the new t-shirt. She did a great job. Do you know what podcast is short for? No idea. Do you know what Wi-Fi is short for? Yeah, you said it before, but it was Wireless too... Fidelity. Yeah, Wireless Fidelity. So I always like to ask people, can I get the password to the Wireless Fidelity? Of course you do. So I had to look up what podcasts are short for because I kind of hate the word. And? And it's short for iPod Broadcast iPod broadcast, so Correct. like Apple has their hand in the jar? They they Well, because the iPod was what was around back when podcasts first came out, so when people would make these audio files and upload Do them. Do they have the trademark on podcasts? I don't know, but it's a great question. So you would download these broadcasts to your iPod and it coined the name podcast. So wow. right now we are doing an iPod broadcast. <laughs> Lame. I also mentioned I turned 36 years old since I last saw you. The only reason I'm bringing that up is because I turned on my phone on my birthday. And uh, what do you know? I saw a video of myself posted to the Nation Instagram. And this has got to be one of the stealthiest long cons ever played. Not just on me, but ever played. You had taken a video of me that I was unaware of. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot I did that. Unaware that you took the video, unaware that you had the video, and absolutely unaware that you were going to post it on my birthday. But it's a video of me at Vicky's in Indian Wells. You and Vicky's I. Vicky's Santa Fe. Vicky's Santa Fe. You and I were out there. I we just had, love it, Jim Martini, man. <laughs> we had some guests out to dinner. And uh, I knocked back a couple of gin martinis, and boy, do you get loopy on those botanicals. The gin drunk is a different drunk, and I attempted to... Gin is drugs. Gin is drugs. Gin is drugs. 
Yeah. And I attempted to articulate how the gin drunk is different than the normal drunk. I articulated it after two gin martinis. You captured it on video. I sound like a complete asshat just going, like, it's a different kind of thing, dude. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, tell me more. And I'm just like, ah! and you posted that on Instagram and said, happy birthday to the greatest 14 handicap we know, Mr. Gin Martini himself. And boy, was I spinning out on that video. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine waking up, turning on your phone and seeing that of yourself. Yeah. I'm quite possibly... I don't want to call it my worst moment, but definitely my loopiest, drunkest moment. I didn't know that video existed. Oh, that, was, that was par for the course, man. Well, that where do you think Shooter Fingers McGee comes from? Yeah, the finger you know? shooter guns that I always yeah. bust out. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm a happy drunk, and yeah. uh, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. But uh, thank you for posting that video. It was horrifying to watch in front of my family because again, yeah. I was in Seattle, surrounded by my parents, wife, and children. Let's run down some vacation highlights. Again, I was in Seattle and Palm Springs. You went to Hawaii. Let's start with you. Give us the top line, quick hitting vacation highlights from 10 days in Hawaii. It's the food. One, two, and three. I mean, obviously being with the family, being away, but it's just the food. Hawaii is, for those that know or don't know, it is just a culinary experience. And it's the fusion it's the the history and the tradition of how these whether it's street food or or the or the fancy restaurants it's it has its own thing its own lane down the street here there's the the Hawaiian poke bowl place you know if you brought someone from the islands over there and been like hey try this Hawaiian poke bowl place they would just flip the fucking stand over dude it you know <laughs> yeah. you don't have a bowl with corn and fucking mango chunks in it that's not a poke bowl it's just for us it's where my wife's from it's where she grew up where she was born and her family before her and all that so there's there's just this love and the sentimental value and kind of this homesickness and fulfillment when we get there that is kind of hard to explain. Obviously, it's a beautiful tropical place. All that said, our entire trip, the itinerary, we had the whole week scheduled out because we're traveling with a small child, so you have to plan things out. It's all based around food and restaurants. All of it. And we checked the boxes. Man, that's the hardest thing leaving is you're just like, I mean, everything from getting little tchotchke street food stuff at the 7-Eleven to go into a nice restaurant. You're just like, you just don't get that here. We don't got it. And they got it. Man, that's what I love the most about it. Which is an interesting thing to hear because you're experiencing Hawaii through the lens of a seasoned veteran. You've gone there a bunch of times for surf trips. You mentioned your wife, Katie Kai, is from there and has a lot of generational history there. You've been there many times. I I would venture to say Hawaii is so much different for you than it would be for me or anyone else that's going and taking the classic. I mean, you'll get, you'd get a taste, you'd get a taste of it because you're going to be going to the restaurants and stuff for dinner and the restaurants have a distinct thing too, you know? But you're going to like local haunts, right? You're going to places that you, you had to have been there to know about. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, like generally speaking. Yeah. But again, it's just that distinct fusion between the cultures that all came to the plantations. You know, Hawaii is a melting pot. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the Portuguese, the Filipinos, Samoans, um, Samoans, Japanese. Tongans, Japanese. Right. Um, and then they all infused and worked in the same fields as the local Hawaiians. And they were at night sharing all their food and recipes. And, and it's just delivered this unique blend of those things that's just the best dude it's the best some of it's a little funky and it takes you know an acquired taste it's like you don't like coffee the first time you drink it but after so many years can you live without it you know what i mean right so it's one of those things it's kind of like a gin martini yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's hard to get through them but once you do it's fun yeah i think boston Tittensore described gin martinis like putting two is fine three is too much <laughs> before we get off the hawaii stuff did you get in the water and surf and did you get on the golf course and play some golf? Nope. No to both. Yeah. You, a former pro surfer and current surfboard shaper. There were waves one day, but it was flat for the most part, the whole trip. We could have forced, like driven to the north side and surf some like windswell, but it's just like 
why, you know? Yeah. We were fortunate enough to stay in a really nice house for a few, few days. That was uh, Katie Kai's dad's former boss's beach house. And they were very generous to let us stay there. So we had a really, really special experience there. And then after that, our friends work in the uh, hotel business. So we got kind of like a, a family rate at like a resort. And it's just like when you're on the resort, right in the cove there against Black Rock, it's like, what are you going to do? Drive around looking for waves? I'll see you in the lazy river. Pina colada me right in the fucking face. Okay. So you were happy to drop anchor where you were. We were, we were soaking it up. I love it. Uh, my vacation highlights include going to the Home Run Derby in Seattle, which is one of these events that you have known about since the age of four. You've watched it on TV every single year. You may not pay attention anymore. Baseball may not mean what it meant to you as a kid, but it's still one of these bucket list things. And yeah. I just so happened to be in Seattle and I didn't plan it this way. I happened to be there when the all-star game was up there, which includes the Home Run Derby. And uh, shout out to Mike Trailer a regular podcast listener on my Mount Rushmore, a favorite people ever, one of my best friends of all time. He took me. He's, he's like, hey, I got tickets to the Home Run Derby. You want to go? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So we went. And here's what I'll say about it. It was a super cool once in a lifetime experience. And I don't mean once in a lifetime, like you can only go once in your lifetime. I mean, you're only going to want to go once yeah. in your lifetime. Yeah. There were a total of 331 home runs hit. And I'll tell you what gets pretty boring after seeing it 331 times, home runs. Yep. Uh, it was very repetitive. We had a local Seattle Mariner in it who got knocked out in the second round and people started filing for the exits. It's just a lot of the same thing, but really cool. Glad I went. Probably wouldn't do it again. I also hiked a 6,000 foot mountain in the Cascade mountain range. Were you on drugs? No. Okay. I don't think I could have done it on drugs. I was huffing and puffing. Went with my wife and my older brother, Greg, and his Two kids who were like 13 and 11 and just absolutely schooling me. Oh, to be young again and just run straight up a 6,000 foot mountain where I'm just, I'm back there just sucking air, dying. But that, that was pretty cool. Definitely one of the highlights was giving my dad a golf lesson. What? Thank you. That's the reaction. Now, you know my dad very well. He's the CFO of the company. He loves you, asks about you all the time. My dad is famous for his hatred of golf. And uh, he somehow got roped into playing a scramble at his company tournament and he needed golf lessons. So I gave him a quick lesson in the backyard and he went out and had the time of his life. And now he wants to start playing golf. Is his nickname also Mr. Two Iron? You know, it would be if he even knew what a two iron was. <laughs> we had to pull the driver out of the bag. Do you even know what a two iron I is? I think I do. I uh, don't think you know what one looks like. Yeah, well, well, who knows? But uh, we had to pull the driver out of the bag because, as you like to say, you sky it, you buy it. And yeah. These were borrowed clubs, so so we got those out of the bag. Speaking of golf, I did play up in Seattle. Shot an 87 with borrowed clubs. And that 12 point. Wow, you look really proud about that. I am very proud. Of it. Okay. I'm five shots worse than Justin Thomas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. So, yikes. Yeah. And to do that with borrowed clubs felt pretty good. But playing golf outside of California is such a treat. I also threw an absolute rager for my daughter. Her and I have the same birthday. So, we had a Friday night party at my parents' house, invited all my old friends. That was super cool. And uh, I watched a ton of poker with my mom. This is, uh, this is my favorite season for sports because my favorite sports are on TV. Wimbledon, the British Open, and the World Series of Poker main event. Not a sport. Whatever. Games. Whatever you want to call them. Yep. Had a great time watching poker with my mom. And I do want to say this because I know my dad listens to this. I got every cool characteristic trait from my mom, not my dad. And he needs to know that. She's an absolute degenerate. She smoked cigarettes while she was pregnant with me. She later switched to cigars. She taught me how to play golf. She's the best Tiger Woods EA sports player of all time. She loves to gamble. She gives her grandkids coffee loaded up with sugar. Her nickname, my sister-in-laws call her Bad Nana. She's a throwback. She just likes all the bad things in life, and so do I. But in the process of watching so much poker, I got re-addicted to poker. Great. And uh, this preludes our time together as friends, but I used to play online poker 10 hours a day through college. Just love it. I'm a, I'm a Texas Hold'em junkie. So I went to Palm Springs with my wife for her birthday. Oh, no. And we went to Agua Caliente. Mm. 
sat down at the poker table. She was sitting behind me and uh, some guy sitting across from me shows me his cell phone and it's a picture of me. And I was like, what the hell? And he's like, is this you? And I'm like, yeah. And he was looking at our Instagram page and he was a nation golf fan that lives out in the desert and was very appreciative of everything that nation has done for golf, specifically desert golf and in the Valley, which I thought was pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, I proceeded to win $240 on a couple of all ins and, uh, hightailed it out of there. Wow. What was this gentleman's name? I wish I could remember, Mm. but I don't. And I'd give him a shout out if I did, but met one of his friends too. He's actually in our DMs asking us where to go in Laguna beach and Irvine. Now, you're not going to find anything fun in Irvine if you're visiting, except beige buildings. The Spectrum's fun. Yeah, if you've got a million dollars to blow. And yeah. if you're going to go to the Spectrum, might as well go to South Coast Plaza. Do it up big. But on Palm Springs, one of my favorite trips to the desert, which I didn't expect because I normally don't stay in Palm Springs, and it was 120 degrees, but it was great. The hotel we stayed at, the Ingleside Inn, no relation, was fantastic. It's attached to the Melvin's restaurant. Did you go to Melvin's? We went to Melvin's for a drink. Not for dinner? No. Mm. I'll tell you where we went to dinner in just a second. I know where you went to dinner. Well, I'll tell you and act like it's the first time I'm telling you. You know, the Melvin's dinner experience is a, is pretty special. Yeah, it is. And we probably should have done it, but I'll I'll just, I'll make a long story short here in just a second. When I sat down at the bar at Melvin's on night two, just to have a pre-dinner drink, I sat next to this, I want to say 70, 75 year old woman named Gail. Gail was alone at the bar. She was done up to the nines, Mm -hmm. had diamond necklace, diamond encrusted black dress on. Her hair was done. Her makeup was beautiful. She was dialed in. She's lived in the desert for 50 years. And she told me, I have a respect for this place, this area. We're at Melvin's. I'm going to dress up. And she's a regular there. Mm -hmm. And she just goes in there and drinks vodka tonics by herself, listens to the Frank Sinatra cover piano guy. And just has a great time. And I was so excited to buy her a drink, brighten her day. And she told me all these great stories. I I love old people. Old people are the best. They've got the best stories. They're, they're further up the mountain than you. And if they want to talk down and give you some advice, and I don't mean talk down in a bad way, but they're, they're higher up the mountain in life. And they want to tell you, hey, young fella, this is how you get up this mountain. Just shut up and listen. Yeah. It's not old people that you love. It's experience. There you go. That's it. It's experience. As for dinner, uh, went to LG's Friday night. Downtown LG's. Downtown LG's. It's a steakhouse, a great steakhouse. It's where we go with Joe Edder out in La Quinta when he comes out there for the Bob Hope. What do you think, and I know we're getting super specific and regional, there are two locations, La Quinta and downtown. You've eaten at them both. Which one do you like better? I like the downtown one better. Why? It's just like a cooler, more historic, building and location. And I think the setup of the restaurant's kind of cool. Just got a little more vibe. I think from a food standpoint, they're both equal. The downtown spot is is cooler in my opinion. Yeah, we had a great time. This was a Friday night dinner the night before my wife's birthday. She's a vegetarian, but she broke it to eat the steak there. She ate the steak. She ate the steak. Wow. Did she have the dessert too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. A gentleman doesn't kiss and tell, and neither do I. Good for you. Yeah. But yeah, vegetarian at a steakhouse doesn't mix, but she's like, yeah, I'll try. What'd she eat? So I got the filet. You got the filet? Yeah. What are you on a fucking diet? I'm a filet guy. My God. The only reason a a grown man on a special occasion orders a filet is if there's a lobster tail coming with it. If your plate has one little sad baseball cut piece of meat, you're a bitch. Okay, fine. Those are on the menu for girls, dude. By the way, coming up in just a few minutes, we're really going to explore how I'm a bitch. Yeah. We're really going to explore that. Everybody knows, dude. But this will give them all the ammo they need the rest of their life. So we get the filet, but here's the thing. After you order the steak, what's the question the waiter asks? How do you want it done? And what do I say every time someone asks me that? Medium rare. But because I'm with my vegetarian wife who is so scared of undercooked meat. Oh, no, you ruined it. I had to do something I didn't even know existed. Medium rare plus. Anyway, 
not happy about it, <clears throat> but it came out. She loved it. We had a great dinner. The next night we planned to go to Casuelas, but it was packed. The wait was like an hour. So we walk across the street back to LG's because she had said to me during the day, that was such a damn good steak. And I'm like, wow, we're rolling now. She wants steak again. Perfect. We'll go to LG's again. Back to back LG's. Is it my birthday weekend? This is insane. So we go back in and the waiter comes around. What kind of steak do you want? Filet again, because she liked it. How do you want it done? And as I'm about to say, medium rare plus, she says medium well. And at this point, and for the for the viewers at home who cannot see Ryan's eyes, they are the size of saucers right now. What did she have? A bottle of A one in her purse? Right. She he he is disgusting. How do, you, how do you how do you eat a gray steak? The one cut of meat you can sometimes get away with overcooking is a fillet because it's so tender. Right. So you're not going to get the visual center cut that's going to get you a bunch of culinary followers on Instagram. Yeah. But it's still going to taste okay. And it did. But when I go to LG's, I want something medium rare. Whatever. I want it bloody as hell. Bring me the cow. You know, I'll you take know it what it's there. called at LG's when you want it done right. What? Black and blue. Black and blue. Black on the outside and cold and blue in the center. Oh, dude. baby. It's fucking, Jolly. it's like a purple goblin, dude. We cannot speak highly enough about LGs, Ryan and I. We go there every time we go to the desert, whether you're in La Quinta or Palm Springs. Make a trip to LGs. My goodness, what a meal. And the gin martinis were flowing. Had quite a few of them. And uh, wow, was I seeing triple on my way back to the hotel. But just a great trip. Just a wonderful, wonderful trip. Some would say that gin martinis are somewhat of an aphrodisiac. And uh, some might agree on this podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's go to something way Good less. news is, is Adam's wife would never listen to this podcast. That's true. She wouldn't. Uh, you know, I write articles for Four Magazine. Yeah. And uh, I will leave them out at the house, like pulled open to the page. And they're paper airplanes when you get home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're lying in the birdcage. No, she will not uh, consume any content that I put out into the world. Last topic of the day. Well, I mean, she consumed some content. Take it easy. Take, <laughs> wow, you're on a roll today, man. Go back to Hawaii. All right. Listen, last topic of the day. The, now we're really going to find out how big of a bitch I am. I come back Monday last week. You're in Hawaii. I'm so excited to get to Nation because you've redone the showroom. It looks fantastic. I can't wait to get into work. I can't wait to hit the ground running. I'm going to have the place to myself. I'm going to get stuff done. Or am I? Because I come in and there are dead cucaracha all over the joint. Ah! Yeah. Big flying saucers. Needed a crane to get them out of here. Now, here's the thing. I don't do cockroaches. I don't look at them. I don't get near them. I don't dispose of them. At my house, my wife kills the bugs. All of them. Especially any roaches. And we've had a very traumatizing God, experience. God, I never would have guessed that. We had a very traumatizing experience in Costa Mesa, which I affectionately refer to as Rocha Mesa, and I will never ever step foot in Rocha Mesa again. But these things came to Nation Golf. They ruined my experience. You weren't here. You weren't coming to save the day. I had to sweep these MFers out into the street. I sit down at the desk. My heart rate is at 200. I'm freaking out. I'm working. I'm pissed. And two of them run right by my foot. And you know what I do? I pack it up for the day. I pack it up for the week. I drive my ass home. I text you. We've got an issue. I'm not going back into work. Wow. I don't know what you can do from Hawaii, but do something. You had to email the landlord. It was just hell. So fast forward to Friday, end of the week. We've got orders to pack. You're not here. We're not going to make customers wait two weeks to get a t-shirt. So I come back to Nation, but I bring the Calvary. I bring my wife and kids. I park the car at Nation. I tell my wife, honey. You're going in. You're going in. You're going in. You're telling me what's the body count? Because I had sprayed on the way out. I had sprayed Raid all over the joint. What is your body count by chance? My body count? I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just got that. Uh, anyway. So, so what about these cockroaches? I send my wife and kids in to scout the situation. <sighs> she counts seven of them on the floor. She has to get rid of them and dispose of them. I want nothing to do with them. As soon as they're all out of here, I spray again. I pack the orders. I leave. I sent you many text messages like, hey, I'm not coming back to work. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. 
you came in on Monday. I wasn't here. You had to remove a few. What's just your overall sense of me as a man dealing with these bugs? It's probably one of the top five, maybe top three overreactions I think I've ever witnessed from a grown man. Is that right? Yeah. I believe... I uh, came in on Monday. There was traps everywhere. And the, like I always get from you, the novel that you texted me that I skim over and barely remember whatever the fuck I read because who has time for that? You're like my right. wife with my four magazines. Yeah, articles. yeah. It's in the birdcage. And uh, <laughs> so I get in and there's fucking traps everywhere. There's two, two cockroaches. I throw them away. I work. Don't see another one. Haven't seen another one since. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around why this is such a big deal. I texted you uh, Thursday saying, I'm coming in on Friday. My wife is going in first. We're going to handle it. By we, I do mean she. And I think you wrote back, and I quote, what a pussy. Why don't you have her pay for your mani-pedi while she removes the cockroach? God, that's a pretty good one. I got to remember some of the stuff I do. You don't need to because I remember it all. Yeah. You don't read my stuff and That's you can't a good remember one. your insults. Yep. He's the Pete Rose of insults. Yeah. It's just a hit parade, folks. They just come out. Just they just, they just just They just happen. Well, I'm happy to report that it is Tuesday now. We're back together for the first time in what feels like a month. The cockroaches are gone. The showroom is complete. We'd like to invite everyone down to our sterilized brand new facility. Come on down. 915 Calle Amanecer. Don't ask me to spell it because it's Spanish and it's crazy and I don't know how to spell it. Look it up. We're on Google. Come buy a t-shirt or if you're listening right now, use code podcast at checkout for 30% off either one or both of our new shirts. Anything else before we get out of here? I just want to thank everyone for joining our iPod broadcast today. Adam does a great job. For those of you who haven't quite caught the shtick of this whole interaction between the two of us, Adam spends hours on end writing his takes, his questions, the format of the show. He has it all written out and he's looking at his computer while he's talking. And I just show up and answer on the fly and don't lift a fucking finger. So that's what the whole process is of what we do. And I, I just want to thank you guys for enjoying it because no skin off my back. Yeah, clearly. By the way, there's this thing in radio and in broadcasting called theater of the mind. And you just proceeded to pull <laughs> the entire curtain back. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We've actually seen the numbers on the back end. Quite a few listeners were uh, very surprised and delighted so thank you so much for listening to the fellowship we will continue to pump we're these the best out. we will continue to pump these out at let's least go golfing once a week and we will talk to you next time